welcome to episode 8 of the Bill Gallery podcast. On today's episode, I have no guest. My internet's been running really bad the last week or week and a half, so I didn't want to be wasting anyone's time getting them on and having to call cutting in and out and maybe going down completely and then just having to get messy. So I'm hoping next week it'll be a bit more stable, so I just decided that this week I'd have a chat about something about someone's work that I found through art a writer um a couple of years ago and it's something that I meant to blog about but I never got around to because when the pandemic kicked in and the exhibitions got postponed I didn't have any real news to put up on my blog on the website so the the blog has kind of kind of gone by the wayside a little bit because it was just that I wasn't really blogging at all when the pandemic first kicked in then when I started the podcast that kind of was for the time being the final nail in the coffin i uh, i will get back up and running at some stage but for now it's just kind of studio and podcast and the blog will hopefully get back up and running at some stage in the future the writer whose work i'm talking about is lefkady o'hearn so about lefkady o'hearn himself he was born patrick lefkady o'hearn in 1850 on the greek island of lefkas his mother was Greek and his father was Irish. His father was possibly from Offaly. There's some sources say it was Offaly, some say it was Armagh, but I kind of just took it Offaly, you know, just because I'm from the Midlands, so just to properly link it somewhere. And his father served in the British Army, so he wasn't around a huge amount, I don't think, in those early years of Lefkadio's life. But when Lefkadio Hearn was two years of age, his father came back to uh, Lefkas and took his mother Rosa and Lefkadio himself back to Ireland and they ended up living in Dublin with a member of his father's family and his mother, the parents' marriage didn't last, they uh, broke up. Lefkadio's mother Rosa I think returned to Greece due to health reasons I think her mental health it didn't hold up when she came to Ireland because I suppose you know, aside from coming from Greece, which is you know sunny and it's got a nice warm Mediterranean climate, she came to Ireland, which was probably much the same as it is now, fairly wet and miserable. She was also treated fairly bad, apparently, by the in-laws here in Ireland as well. And as well as that, like it was eighteen fifty-two-ish, even if it was eighteen fifty-three, like Ireland was just at the tail end of the famine, so it probably wasn't a good place to be anyway, especially for someone not from the country. So she returned to Greece and his father went to the West Indies and was never heard from again. I don't think he ever met either of his parents again after that, but he was left in the care of an aunt in Dublin and she ended up putting him through school. He was sent to a boarding school in England and while he was in boarding school, he suffered an injury to his eye. So I don't know if it was left disfigured or scarred, but he was nearly blind in that eye anyway, or practically blind. So that's why whenever you see a, a portrait of Lafcadio O'Hearn as an adult, he's always turned to the left. He's in profile, so you don't see the left eye at all. His aunt's loss of fortune then, when he was 16, resulted in him being brought out of the school and brought back to Ireland, where he stayed for, I think, three years. And when he was 19... He left Ireland and went to the States. I, I don't think that, I don't know if that was even by choice or not either. I think he was kind of told to go to America and go to Ohio and from there seek out um, some relatives that his family had living in America. 
so when he got to America anyway he went to Ohio and I don't really know what the situation was but he ended up working some kind of small menial kind of tasks and jobs just in exchange for shelter so he I think he, for a while he ended up like staying in stables and in storerooms for these jobs but he eventually got work for the Cincinnati Enquirer and I think he worked there for three years now in the meantime he's met an African-American woman who had been born into slavery called Alethea Foley. And Alethea and Lefkadio got married. Now, at one point while he was working for the Cincinnati Enquirer, he kind of came under fire from the company because there was complaints from a clergyman over anti-religious views of a satirical piece that he did in a, a kind of an arts and literature journal that he was working on for the Cincinnati Enquirer, I can't remember the name of it, but they fired him shortly afterwards and they cited that it was his illegal marriage to Alethea that was the reason that he got fired. They, I think shortly after that, they, uh, well, they separated and they tried on several several different accounts to try and get back together, but it didn't happen and eventually they divorced and Lefkadio Hearn ended up working for uh, the Enquirer's rival newspaper, the Cincinnati Commercial. And uh, yeah, he worked for them for a time. He worked for, I think, other companies as well. And he ended up, he was working for them as a journalist. But I think somewhere along the way, he sort of let that sort of slip a little bit. And he ended up just working on translating French literature, I think, for himself more than anything. But he was also, I think, submitting uh, written pieces to other magazines and newspapers. And one of them was uh, Harper's Magazine. I think actually, sorry, at this stage, I think he'd finished working for the Cincinnati Commercial and he'd actually moved to New Orleans. And he was working for, I think, Harper's Magazine down there. And I don't know if it was kind of freelance or if he was properly the contract or what way that worked, but he was sending in stuff for him and in the in the wind up they sent him as a correspondent to the West Indies where he worked for a time and then he worked he was sent to Japan and Japan was kind of pretty much I suppose where he really came into his own because he kind of fell in love with the country and he he kind of became famous almost I suppose for being one of the first if not the first sort of foreigner to try and understand Japan and Japanese culture and he yeah basically fell in love with the country completely I think he was very much against the westernization of Japan which kind of had already started at that point I think and was sort of uh, almost inevitable I suppose but I think Japan was going through and I'm probably going to butcher this I hope I don't but it was going through like I think the Meiji Meiji uh, revolution at the time so he was kind of covering that as well. And I think it was in the 1880s when he went to the West Indies. So I think roughly from the time he landed in Japan to the time he died, I think he had about 20 years there, roughly. He um, kind of, he when he was in Japan in 1891, he met and married Setsu Koizumi and they had three sons and a daughter. And he adopted Japanese citizenship and took on the Japanese name of Koizumi Yakumo. And while he was in Japan as well, like it was always considered his most prolific 
uh, time of writing while he was working as a professor of English literature at the Imperial University of Tokyo. And he produced, I think, several books, novels, and I think translations of haiku poetry. But kind of one of the things that he's best known for is his written work on Japanese folklore and kind of supernatural stories. And I think one of the best known is Kwaidan, which he wrote in uh, 1904. So it would have been probably his last, or was published in 1904. I suppose it was written a little bit before that. But that was probably one of his last um, publications, maybe possibly while he was alive, because he died of heart failure in September in 1904. I'm not actually, I think I maybe read somewhere that Kwaidan was actually posted af- or published after he died, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but that was just a collection of supernatural stories. and translations of haiku poetry and i don't know how exactly how much of a role uh setsu kaizumi played in his work because uh Lefkadio apparently didn't have a great grasp of japanese he wasn't fluent in it so i think maybe his wife worked on him or worked on the work with him and uh kind of helped translate it for him as well and yes that was Lefkadio Hearn himself he was just a really uh interesting person I, I kind of just i really enjoy reading the quite the book quite on i managed to get a hold of it on amazon and it's a really good read it's just short little stories like but i don't know what was about him kind of when i first found him i just fell in love with his work and i just found even just the the life he had like he, he didn't seem to have an easy life to some extent so it was interesting just to read this mad journey from an island in greece to ireland to the states and eventually on to japan and um, the reason I kind of brought it up was because it was true art that I discovered Lefkadio Hearn and his work. It was two years ago I was kind of taking, I wasn't taking time away from painting. I was still painting pretty much flat out, but I was taking a little bit of time to try and play around with the paint and explore where I wanted to maybe push the work a little bit or even just play around, playing around with the application. And I got contacted by an artist from Greece who was living in London and the previous autumn had been one of the exhibiting artists in a group show that was after being put on somewhere in London in honour of Lefkadio Hearn and his work and it was the first year of what was meant to be an annual exhibition so he contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in taking part in the in the 2019 iteration of the exhibition and I had to, all I had to do was just give him, send him back my email address because he contacted me through my website. And if I sent him on that, he'd be able to send me on more info. So I did, and I said I'd be delighted to take part. And he got back to me straight away with like some information on Lefkadio Hearn, who at this point I had no clue who he was or what he did. Um, because he's he's not that, he, I, you know, I, I still think even now he's probably not as well known in Ireland as he should be really. But I was delighted, so I started kind of, panicking at that point because I was after accepting this or you know taking this on and I was just kind of managed to convince myself I'm not gonna be able to do this and it's probably gonna blow up my face and I'll have to turn it down closer to the deadline or just let you know slip by but after a couple of weeks I after a bit of research I found out that there was a Japanese gardens down in Tremor and Waterford that was uh, built and designed in honor of Lefkadio Hearn because when he was living with his uh, aunt in Dublin, he apparently they used to go down to Waterford quite a bit. His aunt had a friend in Waterford or in Tremor, and Lefkadio used to go down there. So he enjoyed, I think, 
that part of living in Ireland, at least. He he seems to have liked Waterford fairly well because I don't think he was overly enamoured to Ireland. Like, after seeing the way his mother was treated, he, like, while he was in the States in his mid-twenties, he dropped Patrick altogether and just went as left Caddy O'Hearn, kind of, I suppose, as a way of separating himself from Ireland because he saw how badly treated his mother had been at the hands of his father's family so it just I suppose he there was coldness there and then I mean he was sent away to boarding school as well after his parents left to go basically to you know Greece and the West Indies and he ended up I suppose being sent away completely you know it wasn't even like he had any real connection to Ireland at that point so yeah he um the show the group show that was supposed to come up was at that point the locations were it was going to be the first installation was going to be in London and the second one was going to be in Greece. I was delighted with this and I found out oh yeah sorry I forgot I found out about the gardens down in Tremor and Waterford. So I, I tipped on down for a day in uh March and I spent a day working on photography, kind of at this point I'd done a bit of research on Lefkadio Hearn and I saw like he'd written folklore and there was the Irish connection to his father and all that and it was like that's cool enough like and the basis of the exhibition as well was that they were inviting artists who were either living who were from or were based in countries that Lefkadio Hearn himself had had some interaction with throughout his life so you would have Greek Irish Japanese American just all these artists from different parts of the world like and I think like there was French artists in it as well. I don't know if he lived in France for a time or if um, it was just because he had an interest in French literature. But yeah, it, it was a really cool exhibition. But the locations were to be London and Greece. Now, at that point, there was no dates given. And I just assumed with the previous year being in September, it was probably going to be September 2019. So that's what I was aiming for, to have the show or the painting finished for the show then. So in March, I went down to the... Japanese gardens in Tremor and I spent a day running around with the camera and I filled the camera up really quickly and then fill up the phone as well with more pictures because it's a gorgeous garden if you ever get the chance to to call down to him I highly recommend it like it's just a really nice place like I, I did laps at the place at the at, by the time I was finished like and yeah it was just a really nice um place to just wander around it's really calm and like even with crowds around it you can get around it really easily and it's kind of even though like you know it was obviously sort of designed there's a sort of a wild feel to it as well um so i went down and got me photos got me source photos and while i was working a while well, taking the photos i there was a kind of something kind of eventually started popping into my head and i was kind of like this might sort of work i'll need to sketch it out and see but while i was down there kind of halfway through the day i decided i need to try and get these pictures so the light is kind of consistent the direction of the light is consistent and i'm kind of hitting or it's hitting the different things from the same angle roughly so it meant that like when I say maybe took a picture at one end of the garden I was waiting for a while before getting a possible picture that I could really use at the other end of it because for the sun to go around and it was um yeah so it's kind of I got my photos and I, I scrolled through them and just to see what I wanted and I picked out a few and I eventually got them together in Photoshop and started removing bits and playing around with them and that and got them kind of into one composite kind of image and then I started working on a sketch um, I think around maybe the middle of March and 
my proposal needed to be done for I think the middle of April. I think it was close to maybe the second or third week of April was the deadline for the proposal submission. So I had about a month to get my sketch going and I got it up and running and I mean I had most of it done for the deadline. It wasn't completely finished, but I got the sketch done to a point where it got most of what I was trying to say across and I sent that on and I never heard anything back for ages after that and I was kinda of like I wasn't really sure what was happening so I was I said I said I'd stay going at the sketch and I gave myself another month after the deadline to get the sketch finished, which I didn't do. I was aiming to start painting around the middle of May and I didn't. It was I think I think it was maybe the first week of June when I eventually got going with oil paint on canvas. And the canvas had it was the biggest kind of canvas I'd worked on in probably a few years at that point, like 'cause I mean what that was what did I say, that was two thousand nineteen. So like I'd been working on a similar scale really from 2015 up to that point. So this time I was going on the canvas I think was maybe four foot by either a foot and a half or two foot landscape. And it was sort of a reinterpretation using the puka of the story of Lefkadio Hearn leaving Greece and going to Japan kind of so with certain things left out. Like I just I didn't know how to incorporate in maybe the States at the time, America. And so I left that out because with the sketch, I was kind of happy with how it was looking. And I didn't want to start adding in pieces just for the sake of it. And it was kind of like the beginning and the the end points, you know, and the figure in the middle. So the on the right-hand side of the canvas, I had uh, an olive tree that was down in the Lafcadiohern Gardens as well. And down there, the well and the olive tree represented Athena and the birth of Athens. So I just used it as sort of to represent Greece. And the figure then I decided to take, because I work in superstition and folklore, I took my interpretation of the puka because it was a horned humanoid that, and horned humanoids play such a big part in European folklore anyway. So you have, it was the puka from Ireland, but it also kind of had, I felt like you could use it almost to sort of represent the fawn in Greek folklore and mythology. So that kind of covered the sort of Irish and Greek sides of folklore in one figure that I suppose in a way I kind of used to represent Lefkadio Hearn himself. And over on the left then, um, it was kind of more Japanese scenery. So there was the, a little wooden bridge and some Japanese plants and there was also five boulders down in the gardens that in the description I think represented Setsu and the three sons and their daughter. So I kind of incorporated them in as well, pretty much directly as well. Like I just that was kind of what they were there for to represent. And there was a lot of negative space around it as well. I left a lot of raw canvas showing through because I had read up on the on a term called ma. I think that's how, maybe I'm not pronouncing that right. I don't know. I, I'm just pronouncing it ma. It's M-A anyway. And it's a concept that governs the understanding of space. And it's usually kind of kind of created to minimize tension and favor contemplation in Japanese art. And it's, it is it is that best translates as the understanding of negative space, sort of. I, I wouldn't, it's not a literal translation, but that is why it kind of alludes to is negative space in art. So I kind of wants to kind of keep that. And I actually, it's something that I think to a certain extent is kind of 
crept into my work even my own stuff now out the stuff that's not related to Lefkadi or Herna Hall um, because I remember on the Masters like the two were saying something that like uh, you know the viewers I will fill in the gaps and I kind of think it, it's kind of I don't know I'm kind of enjoying working with it with just having the hard contrast of the figure and then the background but anyway that's my own stuff um, but yeah so that's what the raw canvas represented was that the, the idea of Ma and the concept surrounding negative space in Japanese art so that's what I was working on I, I started painting in June still tipping away I had in July and I got word back that my submission had been successful in around, in or around maybe early to mid July so I was buzzing over that and to be honest which like all the while this was going on I was worrying about do you know I think when they what way it was I can't remember what way it was I think when they got back to me in July they asked me if I'd be interested in showing in one, two or all three places. And I kind of was like, I'm going to say all three. And that was grand. But in my head, I was like, am I going to be able to afford to send this to all three? Like, am I going to end up letting these lads down at some stage? But there was no need to worry about that. And I'll get on to that in a bit. But yeah, no, it it, it was fine. I, I was delighted that it had, it, I'd been accepted. Not even because I was left putting the work and it. it was just nice to be able to think, I'm going to be part of this group show that's going to go into London, New York and Japan. Like, delighted. And so I was painting away. Now, while I was painting, I had a stupid idea because of the scale of the olive tree. It wasn't huge. And I didn't want to staple in the leaves because it wouldn't have made sense. The tree wasn't massive. And then you have these minuscule little dots of leaves and it's just going to look weird and bizarre and not make sense. So I had the amazing idea to start painting in each individual leaf and this took what felt like the entirety of my life to do it was such a stupid idea um i mean the end result i was really really happy with it but like i felt like i was actually it was pretty much every evening i finished up panicking because i felt like i haven't done enough and i'm not going to get this painting finished because of all these leaves but anyway, it worked out okay and wind up um i got the leaves done in and i the the taking so long that by the time I got on to another figure, or sorry, another section, whether it was the figure or the Japanese scenery on the other side, it felt like I was working on a new painting. But it was, um, yeah, it was it was grand. Like it turned out well enough, and I was happy enough how I was going. I never finished the painting because while I was working on it, I was kind of saying to myself, the last second last week of August, that's what I'm aiming for to get it all finished up and get it done, so it's ready, it's dry, it's ready to do not only send it out, and then the end of August came I was still working on it and at this point I was starting to freak out a little bit because I assumed September was going to be roughly when it was coming up and I heard nothing sort of at the end of August so I thought maybe it's pushed back to the end of September or October and September came and went and there wasn't a word so I thought oh I'm kind of in bother here because like I still don't have this done and it's definitely going to be next month and October came and went and nothing happened and I was sort of kind of like I'm not going to lie it took me foot off the pedal a little bit because I had another exhibition lined up for after Christmas in 2020 in Custom House Studios in Westport and I kind of just needed to start working on that as well like I was I had stuff on the go for it prior to this before I kind of properly sat down to start painting so I was juggling sketches and I was juggling paintings for Westport and I kind of didn't really know what to do with it I didn't know whether to stay invested and stay painting with it or whether to just say I'm going to chance my arm and take time just to work on Westport and I did 
and it was just as well I did because November came and went nothing happened and like from about maybe middle of August even the social media was gone quiet I don't know what happened I don't know the whole thing just fell through and it never happened after so I um I went back working towards Westport and the painting is sitting in the studio unfinished yeah I will finish it at some stage but like on one hand I was really really disappointed because I just thought it would have been nice just to be part of that show that traveling show that went New York London Japan but on the other hand I was slightly relieved because I didn't know financially if I could afford to ship the painting around to all those places and it was never going to happen anyway because like even if it kicked off in September there was only the first leg the second leg was probably not going to be until early 2020 and then you were talking about you know December 2019 just brought everything to a standstill because of course the pandemic broke out and since then everything's been pushed back and cancelled and closed so yeah um while I was disappointed and relieved I I was happy that I discovered Lefkadio Hearn through it because like I never would have known anything about him other than this and it's kind of sort of someone whose work I would love to maybe explore in a body of work at a later stage whether that is well there's no two ways about it. it will be a very Irish twist on some of his stuff if I do it because I it's not looking likely that I'm ever going to get to Japan and I kind of I don't like the idea of taking folklore from another country without having spent time and have have some sort of attachment and closeness to the place and surround yourself in the culture like like I was in Iceland in 2012 that's nine years ago. If I was going to bring in Norse folklore and Icelandic folklore, I'd like to kind of go back to Iceland now, a more recent date, and surround myself in it again. Do you know, because pulling images off Google Images isn't the same, and I'd be afraid that, like, would it be a case that you're just going to misinterpret that folklore and that culture completely and just completely screw it up, like, and I think in my own head as well, it's kind of like, if you haven't been there, like, what right do you have to kind of start incorporating in that work into your own practice? Like, so, I, I don't know. I just, it's just a weird little thing in my own head. That I feel you kind of have to sort of envelop yourself in even the landscape or the country itself, you know. So, but at some point, I would love to do something on Lafcadio Hearn, even if it is like a kind of an Irish sort of twist on his writings. And, but yeah, so that was that. That's kind of how I discovered Lafcadio Hearn and what happened with the exhibition and what I would like kind of maybe to do at some stage with his his stuff. But um, yeah, like it it never happened. I don't know what happened to begin with with it that didn't go ahead. But like I said, with the pandemic and everything, it was never going to be able to go ahead because that was three um, legs of the exhibition. And if you think like that, maybe the twenty twenty iteration, if that had been in the autumn as well. You were probably talking about having to have the three of them held between September 2019 and maybe April or May 2020. So it wasn't going to happen the way things worked out. But, you know, it's, I, I mean, I wasn't annoyed over it. I was just, I was like looking forward to it, but it's grand, you know. And like I said, it gave me something to explore that I wouldn't have known about before. So I think that's kind of that little bit of a ramble over and me just talking about something that I meant to blog about never did. But um, 
yeah so thanks for listening and before i go i just want to say thanks to a few people i want to say a huge huge thanks to the dunamis art center in port leash each week they share and promote the podcast like mad and i am massively grateful for that i don't know if it's laura i, th- I thought it was maybe that's sharing it and that's why whenever i say thanks i always say thanks a million because i i don't use a name because i'm always afraid of saying thanks and i hate putting in the wrong name when i'm sending messages on instagram or emails or whatever so i just but thanks a million for sharing it and promoting it also speaking of the dunamis art center if you stop by paddy critchley's instagram account paddy was on there a couple of episodes ago you'll see the project he had up in the dunamis i'm not sure if it's still up or not but i saw a couple of glimpses of it and it looked savage it was it really looked the part like so give the dunamis art center and paddy critchley a look and you'll see that project that's up and running and i just want to say thanks very much to uh, leash tourism too uh they shared my uh, an image of one of my drawings on instagram and just give a shout out to the podcast as well so thanks a million for that as well that's massively appreciated too i also want to say thanks a million to uh the arts office in leash because they just got back to me during the week and awarded me some funding through the leash arts act grant that will be going both towards getting some paint and stuff for the studio and also helping out a little bit with the podcast as well so thanks a million to them as well that it's that's kind of huge and i'm delighted to just get a little bit of money to help go towards stuff to keep it up and running and also i want to say a huge thanks as well first of all to the artists that have been on the podcast and agreed to chat with me already and to the artists that have agreed to take part later and any artists that have inquired and also just to have anyone that's shown support to the podcast as well because to be honest when it comes to this like i've said already i'm kind of learning as i'm going i don't really know what i'm doing so thanks a million for the support and yeah thanks to anyone that's listened and hopefully will continue to listen if you want to follow the podcast on social media you can follow it on twitter and facebook at bit of gallery and if you want to follow or leave a review on any platform that you're listening to it on whether it's spotify it's on spotify acast and it's on apple podcasts it's on amazon music or amazon podcasts or something as well but i can't find it on it and but there's people apparently according to the analytics there's people listening to it on that so if you want to leave a review there as well you can also i forgot to mention when i was chatting about lafcadio hearn himself there's no shortage of materials and there's a book that i'm after finding online now i haven't read it i don't know how long it's out it's sort of a half fictionalized, I think, biography of Lafcadio Hearn, but through the vices of the women that were in his life. So you have his biographer Elizabeth and his Japanese wife Setsu. They were they were able to read and write, so they left written records of Lafcadio Hearn. However, Alethea and Rosa, his mum, they weren't able to read and write. So um I think kind of the author filled in the blanks. So I can't remember the name of the book or the author, but I will put into the ACAST description and links and it will be on, it will, it will go up down on the Spotify description as well. And I would put in some links maybe to some of Lafcadio Hearn's books as well. And like, if you just Google them, even here in Ireland, like you'll find links to several articles in the Irish Times about him. And I think that's everything. And yeah thanks again for listening and yeah hopefully the internet will be running better next week so i will have a guest on on and it'll be out then on the wednesday as usual and hopefully 
kind of get back up and running as normal if the internet kind of sorts itself out. And until then, I will chat to you later. Thanks for listening.